Start in T minus ten seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. We have ignition. Welcome to another episode of Unconstitutional Awakening. Tonight I thought I'd bring on something kind of, I guess, different pace that many of you would think, because, uh, you know, you hear the word Freemason, and I'm pretty sure most of you out there in conspiracy land get the heebie-jeebies and start worrying about things. And in the reality of it, you know, Freemasonry is one of the oldest fraternal organizations in the world with roots that date back, you know, pr probably pre-medieval times when stonemasons held close secrets as lessons in their guild. And today masons live by many of these timeless tested values in their fraternities. And, and, you know, they're always seeking for new members and new values and stuff like that. And I, I wanted to just kind of show you guys that it's not actually the, the scary thing that it's made out to be just like everything else in the world, there's good and bad in the balance of everything. So I found this really spectacular guy on TikTok, Michael Hall here, who, happens to be a mason and and he's uh that's the message i've seen him pushing is that it's you know they're they're not the bad guys and i think that it's wrong for them to continue to be called such so how you doing this evening michael uh i'm doing great uh we're actually uh just finished up like you know getting moving stuff organized today uh you know just doing normal everyday uh non-conspiratorial stuff with my life <laughs> So, so look, I guess, I guess, um, what got you into masonry? Uh, great question. So like, honestly, like I started out and still consider myself to be, uh, which we briefly just touched base on. Uh, I am a conspiracy theorist, conspiracy realist, truther, if you want. Um, and obviously once you get into virtually any rabbit hole, eventually you're going to find yourself crossing paths with the Freemasons sure. and it's going to be introduced in some way or form or fashion. Well, <clears throat> so I, you know, this was like maybe 15 years ago, 16 years ago that I've been really diving into conspiracy theories. Uh, most of my late teens, early twenties spent a lot of time looking into them. Um, but when I turned, <laughs> yeah, when I turned 19, um, I started apprenticing for tattooing and the shop manager was actually a Freemason. And I was confused because, uh, he was just your Southern gentleman, good old boy. And I was like, 
hold on a second. Uh, I'm pretty sure you don't worship Satan and you're not trying to take over the world. So what, what's the deal here? And uh, yeah, long story short, he basically had, you know, intrigued me with his response. And it was the polar opposite of everything that I was under the impression of. And I was told by not only him, but then we also had regulars that were members at his lodge. And they were all upstanding guys. They're all just, you know, just really humble, good people and so on and so forth. All of them, you know, backwoods as, as could be. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I've related to it on a personal level growing up in the South and, you know, like wanting to be a part of an organization because at this point I had kind of stopped going to church. It just kind of wasn't my thing anymore. Uh, but I've missed that like uh, camaraderie and philanthropy and like getting involved with the community and stuff. And that's basically what it was described as, but in a fraternal organization. And then they also made it aware that the Shriners was a part of Freemasonry an independent body uh, because my buddy, he was also a Shriner. And I was like, well, I know what the Shriners are. That's the dudes on little go-karts and the funny hats. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So once I learned about the uh, philanthropy side of it, I did my research, started looking into it, everything that they said, started checking out all the conspiracy theories. I basically did all my debunking and I was like, well, if the world's lying about it this much, obviously I think it's worth joining and fast sure. forward. It took me a little while to uh, get in there. There was some contingencies uh, with, you know, a dude that used to be a member, but whatever. Fast forward about eight years later, I finally got myself in a lodge. I mean, I mean, I get, you know, I mean, hearing that, you know, it makes it, of course, sound not so scary because, you know, most people go straight into things like, like Aleister Crowley, for example. Everybody's like terrified of him. And, you know, I got to I got to say, when you research into Aleister Crowley and who he actually was, he's not he's not really that scary of a guy anymore. Like he, he just becomes a normal everyday guy. Sure, he was into some weird shit. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people out here, some things that you're into, some things I'm into, people might consider that weird shit. So uh, do you happen to be familiar with anything with Aleister Crowley and stuff like that? And kind of what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because, I mean, he does kind of put like a negative, uh, like a negative tint over Freemasonry just because of the misunderstanding with his Freemason status. People think that he was a Freemason and so on and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, like I agree with you. Uh, I'm not a fan of his personal philosophy. I don't disagree with everything, but once you really look into him, it is a major misunderstanding. He like, my biggest thing is as long as like you're not harming someone, then it doesn't bother me at all. I just don't like people being harmed in any way, shape or form. Turns out Crowley never harmed a fly. That's actually true. And, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people just get things in, I guess, you know, stories, grapevine, you know, trying to make things spicy, things get twisted and turned into a thing. I mean, and in, in, in a way I, I get a lot of controversy kicked back towards me. I try to tell people all the time, well, you know, Charlie Manson never actually hurt anybody either. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he knew things and understood things on a different perspective and level than I think a lot of other people do. And I guess in a sense, it's the same thing as like Aleister Crowley, like they, 
some people can call it enlightened or, you know, they just have a, a higher sense of knowing. Like I, I, I'm, I'm somebody who definitely understands that. And I've heard it called different things in different aspects and different levels. You know, of course, I believe the Masons call it illuminated. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of subject, subjective and sure, even in yeah. Freemasonry. Yeah. Like uh, just kind of but that's the beautiful thing about Freemasonry is that it really just comes down to the individual's perspective because there's no like real forced doctrine. There's no forced like, you know, you'll get similar answers sometimes, yeah. but you'll never get the same answer depending on who you're talking to. No, no, absolutely. And and that's that's something I've you know, I learned in my studies is that there's. You know, there's lots of branches, you know, like it, it, of course, it started off as like one thing and then they branched and then they branched and then branch here, branch there. And, you know, that's why you have, there's even, I've even heard of fraternities in some places that have women and that's, mm -hmm. you know, not very common in, in, in Freemasonry and such. And I, I know it isn't and like, but it's, it's to show, I guess it's to show you that there is different aspects of it and there's different different perspectives, I guess, as you'd say, or, um, you know, I guess, I guess different ways that it's practiced through different fraternity houses and different regions and different countries, even like, uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's the cool thing too, is that even when the critics of Freemasonry, they think that, you know, they come across something on the internet for, for example, um, or like Duncan's, uh, ritual and God, uh, or monitoring God, uh, you can buy this on Amazon. So people think that it's some sort of relic or exposed Freemason secrets or what have you. Um, it, the, the thing is, is that <clears throat> not only is Duncan's not going to get anyone into a lodge ever, uh, it was also written a long time ago. And Duncan even said himself, this isn't going to get anybody into a lodge. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not an official monitor. Right? right. So like people quote it all the time or they use it for their uh, conspiracy proof, if you will. And I mean, really every single jurisdiction, which in America, every state is its own jurisdiction, has its own grand lodge. Sure. They're all sovereign to each other and they all do things differently. So one person's monitor and, you know, say Texas is going to be completely different. Uh, from North Carolina, it's going to have the same essence, but it's going to have different verbiage. Sure, and and it, and at the end of the day, I imagine that regardless of what you know fraternity or lodge or group that you guys come from, if for I've seen that there's times where you all come from different walks of groups to come together, you know, as one for uh, some people call them rituals and stuff like that. And I mean, usually it's really just like a get together is the way I I see it as you know you've got you get you different groups of masons just all coming together to hang out you know what i mean like just in there's sure there's probably i'm sure there's things to it or you know things that you have on the agenda when it comes to doing that then you know and i say agenda is like like what you're doing not like you know spooky <laughs> for folks out there but like there's the world agenda right i mean i'm like <laughs> like i don't i don't sure i've seen some things where it looks like it's weird and maybe i don't understand it because i'm not you know a mason or anything like that like sometimes you guys are a bit extra on the costumes and stuff like that when you have your, your get-togethers and but at the same time like it makes sense but i don't i don't see you guys out there meeting up at 
the lodge up the street from my house and plotting like the world economic forum to <laughs> the world like that's exactly that's exactly different levels of things so i gotta yeah. ask um you know in my researches I, I keep coming across the the constitutions of the freemasons and i understand there's a lot of things out there that you probably don't want to share but is there any way you could like oh i'm, I'm an open book so uh, fantastic like fantastic. E- yeah even even if there's something that like i can't discuss i'll i'll even bluntly say well that's one thing that i can't discuss All right, but there's yeah there's there's ways of like that i can explain without having to dodge your question too okay awesome so is there is there anything we can you could enlighten me about on the constitutions of the freemasons so i could understand more about that absolutely so that's basically a perfect segue from what i was just mentioning is how every single state every single jurisdiction or so like the jurisdictions break down to states or provinces and uh, depending on where it is, some countries even just have one central grand lodge. It just depends on how big the country is. And uh, so basically the constitutions is basically all the rules and uh, like guidelines uh, of like the, like the code of conduct, if you will, Uh, the expectations. So it's nothing that's like, Oh, like you have to do this. You have to do that. It's more so like, Hey, this is like, you agreed to doing this of your own free will and accord. So like, this is kind of how we expect you to carry yourself as an individual with the title of being a Freemason, whether it be master Mason, whether it be an entered apprentice, whether it be, you know, any of the other appendant bodies. And so uh, the constitution just really kind of lays down and uh, creates order uh, out of, you know, like something that could be chaotic if there was no order. Which, no, I mean, that, that you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I, I guess as long as you respected the, you know, if you were to move from one state to another and continue your fraternity into another lodge, you would, you know, you would just have to respect any rule changes that were in that lodge, which could be nothing, could be minor, could be, you know, a, a flip of the script, because I guess it just depends area to area. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, in some countries, it could be small enough that that's only really the one or whatever. So I imagine you, you guys are pretty much global at this point. Like there's almost not a country where there isn't a lodge of some kind. Um, I would, I mean, definitely like global in the sense of like being out in the East and in the West. So like, but there is certain countries and, uh, you know, like I'm an apolitical person. So I say this as apolitically as I can. Uh, all of the countries that doesn't allow Freemasonry happens to have one thing in common. They, they all happen to be communist countries uh, because Freemasonry is the epitome of free thought, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of speech and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of countries that are obviously just not a fan of that, especially forming in secret meetings of a bunch of free thinkers. They're not, they're not a fan of that. So they completely uh, do away with Freemasonry within the country. Doesn't mean that Freemasons don't exist in that country. It's just that they're, they might be, you know, grand lodges that are chartering lodges from outside the country or something like that uh it just it just depends it's it's uh circumstantial and so and i guess even with that i heard you make mention of the shriners a little bit ago and 
and um <clears throat> i mean there's other there's other fraternities out there too i guess like the lions club and stuff like that like and i i'm not saying that they're all connected back to masonry but i guess if you really look you could see where in a sense just about all of them are maybe like a split from it at some point in time or you know just disagreements they're different views different ideas like they which which totally makes sense like especially here in america because america's different walks of life all over and you know generally when you look in history i've seen a lot of masons you know being general generally white european based you know that that kind of seems like a thing to begin with but you know i have seen that it is you know grown past i guess that simple-mindedness as i would view it and you know i've i've seen people as we mentioned not only females but just about every walk of life nowadays in masons it doesn't seem to be solely down to somebody that lays brick and such such like that (laughs) or 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 your aristocrats or any because i mean even that's that's one thing that i think that tiktok was really thrown off by was the fact that you know i was a freemason that could prove that i was a freemason and on top of that i did not fit the stereotype given i'm heavily tattooed especially like face tattoos and everything else so like you said uh it's it's definitely progressed it's like and it's it considers itself to be a progressive science so it does tend to adapt with the times and its whole creed and i've looked at as many archives and as many records as i possibly can i research intensely uh like it's always given a message of benevolence that's one of the main things that it preaches is uh you know not only virtue and uh camaraderie and everything else like that but it also comes down to a benevolent organization and it's said that since the beginning right right and you know i guess a big thing when it comes to recognizing masonry people see a lot of symbolism you know what i'm saying like you can you can tie all kinds of different symbols throughout the world back into symbolism there and and i guess i guess that symbolism makes is does draw up a lot of questions in some people because they're like oh a lot of it seems to be based off of the myths of king solomon and 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 like you know i i of course understand that and I don't, I don't know. I guess where, where I'm going with this is a lot of people see a lot of these symbols and they're just automatically like, oh, this this has to tie back into evil because they use this symbolism. And I just I feel it's more of a way for you guys to be able to recognize one another or, you know, recognize places that recognize, you know, Freemasons or whatever, in, in a sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, what kings people think that we like either worship King Solomon or that like he is some sort of actual like prominent figure inside of Freemasonry, but like none of it actually like, so everything in a nutshell within Freemasonry is, so it's a universal system. And for basically about right, actually right at 300 years now has officially been a universal system but it was created in 1717. So for a few years, for the first few years that it organized, now it does predate 1717, but this is once those constitutions come into play, when everything started to form order, uh, the original requirement in order to join Freemasonry, you actually had to be a Christian for the first about five to six years. And then they changed that and it became the 
uh, the saying that I'm sure you've heard before, where you just had to believe in a supreme being, because oh. you know this was in the oh, midst sorry. of the yeah yeah this was in the the midst of the age of enlightenment, where you have a bunch of philosophical free thinkers that are you know getting intrigued by this you know grand lodge that just formed in England, and they're like, what? Well, I mean, I knew about this speculative masonry, but you're telling me there's a whole grand lodge and they're like, this sounds interesting. I want to draw. Well, I, I consider myself to be a deist or an ominist. And they're just like, Oh, sorry, you have to be a Christian. But then obviously there is Jewish brethren. There's Islamic brethren. There's walks of all life. So they wanted to make it to where it was more universal and a bit more secular than just being strictly like a, a Christian only organization, because then that also comes off, as if it is a Christian organization, but it is entirely secular. Sure. Then, and so, so do you? I guess do you have to believe in a supreme being to be a part of this, or is I mean, do you guys have in, just running around in there? Uh, so, in about, I'd say, uh, you know, I've I've seen a couple different numbers, but the most agreed upon one is about two percent of Freemasonry is atheist, but majority of uh, the jurisdictions it's not allowed at all. There's only one place that it's actually allowed and that's in France. And their recognition from the Grand Lodge has always been kind of juggled because sometimes they get their charter pulled and then they're operating what's called clandestinely, uh, which basically means they are operating under their own terms against the constitutions of their jurisdiction. <laughs> and then, um, so th they're kind of like, being rebellious and they're, they're no longer considered to be recognized Freemasons. So they basically get expelled. Um, and uh, you can, you know, UGLE can basically pull, they can hand out charters, but they can also pull charters. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as as many atheists, uh, so that would be the only group that there would be because currently France does have a recognized brand lodge and they do allow atheists, uh, but nowhere in America, uh, and most other jurisdictions don't allow it, but that doesn't mean that people don't, uh, you know, sneak in and say that they believe in God. Or I don't want to say sneak in because they're not really doing anything nefarious. They just want to get involved. But, you know, ultimately they may not actually believe in God. Yeah. They just want to get involved in the philanthropy or even if they're just curious and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, no, no, that mean, and and that and that makes sense. I mean, because there, there, a, a common thing that I see when I'm looking around in this is there is, you know, quite a bit of camaraderie. You know, like you guys, you guys are, you know, like like a brotherhood. You know, you I, and I, I would guess that even outside of your meetings or such at the lodge, that you guys probably have one another's backs in situations best you can, and you know, different ways of life and such. That's. I mean, that's part of being in a brotherhood, I, I believe. I, I consider unconstitutional awakening its own kind of brotherhood, you know, because we've we've got a mass of people across the across the country that there's 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 five of us that work, six of us that work on the site on regular, and five of us on the show on regular, and then like there's fourteen of us in the background doing all kinds of meme making and you know, keeping mm -hmm. social media and stuff for us like that. I mean, and, and I, I'm not trying yeah, to compare they, it, 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 but I mean, it's... Well, no, if you really break it down, like, so, I mean, that's where you have the officers of the lodge. Everyone has a designated, uh, like, thing that they are, you know, and they choose to do it. Like, that, it gets offered or they get voted into these uh, positions inside the lodge. 
And uh, it's not like a hierarchy. There's no more authority. It's just that when you start to organize things, people get roles and then they have a responsibility that comes with that role. And so everything that you explain, and that's, that's what it boils down to. And people tend to freak out about this. And they think that like, they're, they're just so intrigued with what we do. And it's like, have you ever had friends? Right. (laughs) Have Have you ever organized anything with your friends? It's basically the same thing. Right. And, and, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a way to find, find friends, I guess, in a way it's a, it's a networking in a, in a sense. And, you know, I mean, again, you know, I'll go back to, you made that mention where they were acting outside of the, the, the Mason constitution or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so I would, I would imagine that that is something, you know, that's not relatively new and has come into play in the past before. Like when you start looking at some of the things that do look kind of shady or whatever that might have that, Oh, that person was a Mason and, you know, they were working (laughs) with the Illuminati. It's maybe they weren't, maybe they were working on their own. They didn't even have their, you know, jurisdiction or whatever at that time. Like you can't, you can't just make an assumption just because it was cloaked because they were a Mason. Like I, I, there's a lot of people on this planet that I have come across that are Masons and you wouldn't know it unless they did tell you, I think it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And that, that comes down to a subjective situation as well, because, and there's this generation, like a generational gap with the membership, uh, basically is that in times of persecution, like against Freemasonry, like, like actual persecution, I'm not talking, you know, internet slander, like actual, like being hunted down and lives being taken just simply for being Freemasons or, uh, you know, situations like that, Freemasons will tend to be more discreet. Like they won't be wearing their rings at, like at all out in public. They won't be wearing, uh, and a perfect example of this would be uh, World War II uh, with, um, I don't know if you do edits or not. I don't know if I can say this or not, but uh, well, actually, actually, we'll, we'll say mustache man. Just, man. just in case. Right. Mustache man, World War II, a uh, German leader. Um, he persecuted and murdered uh, over 200,000 Freemasons. And see, that's uh, not something you actually hear in history books. Yep. Uh, it, there was a total of, I believe, it was 40,000 that actually went into the concentration camps um, oh. that were uh, Jewish or just simply freemasons that he captured rounded up and put into the concentration camp there was a lodge that was actually formed because there was seven uh brethren that met inside the concentration camp real and recognized each other as masons and it was called uh liberty lodge and uh so they basically formed their own lodge within it and there's like a whole uh uh like dedication statue to them and everything that's um that's fascinating actually that's that's another one of those what I, what I like to call those tidbits of hidden history that kind of slip underneath the radar that people don't actually yeah. hear about. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, we were talking about symbolism earlier. Uh, one of the most touching symbols in Freemasonry is the forget me not flower. Okay. And uh, so even with the persecution thing going into hiding uh, people, the soldiers even on the American side and the German side, especially the German side, they would wear, uh, instead of wearing their square encompasses, they would wear uh, uh, the forget-me-not flower 
uh, not only to distinguish them uh, amongst each other, to realize like in the battlefield or wherever they were in the situation, they would recognize each other. They would uh, even meet up to help each other, like clean up after them. And then they would even sneak off and go have lodge in the woods somewhere or whatever. Uh, but then the other reason that they chose the forget me not was because on the German side, if they were seen wearing that, that happened to be mustache man's favorite flower. So he thought that it was giving reverence to him, but in reality, nice. it was hidden in plain sight. Yeah. That's, 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 that's some of that, like, you know, like that hidden talking, I guess, like I'm talking about. And, and in a sense, like using, uh, using propaganda against propaganda, you know, that's his favorite flower. Exactly. So he's going to leave it there. And now you can be like, Hey, this is <laughs> I, I actually like that. Um, it's, it's I guess, like, I, I, I like to call it like a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good finesse. I mean, yeah. they, they finesse, they finesse mustache man out of, uh, you know, like okay. as bittersweet as the story is, there's, uh, the cleverness and discreetness that, you know, happens in times of persecution. I've been, I've been, and that's trying, just one example. I've been trying to finesse my way to, uh, changing a certain design that most people use for hate and using it for something opposite. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I mean, people, and, you know, I, I try to explain to people that there is some totally esoteric, you know, connections back to even like Egyptian times and stuff, which I guess it, when you get into some history, there's some stuff that show even ancient Egypt, Egyptians in a sense, practice a form of, I guess, masonry, as you could say, if, if you wanted to, you know, like, I, I guess you yeah. can't just accredit it to the medieval times. Like I, in my researches, I've found that it seems like a lot of the same things that is in the Masonic world were also in the ancient Egyptian world. And, and I think that's also something people need to be, you know, well aware of. Yeah. And that's, that's where people kind of jump the gun and think that like, you know, they see something that might slightly resemble Egyptian mythology or Egyptian symbolism and then they think that it means that we're in there worshiping Osiris and, and Isis. And it's no, the, the, the difference is, is that basically what, what distinguishes us from that is that in, within your local blue lodges and even your uh, grand lodges in the state, like usually there's not going to be any Egyptian symbolism. Now I'm a member of Scottish Rite as well. That's where you're going to see a little bit more of like the Egyptian symbolism and it's all used strictly as symbolism, but not in reference to our personal faith, because Scottish Rite uh, is more of like the research side of Freemasonry. And it's more of the like esoteric side, if you will. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then people also think that like the degree status automatically means hierarchy, but like from the first degree and I'm a 32nd degree in Scottish Rite. Okay. They're all they're all lateral to each other. And once you get to Master Mason status, which is the third degree, you can then join these other appendant bodies, such as Scottish Rite, York Rite, Shriners, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, so the highest degree is third degree, just to throw that out there. It's a little confusing because of the ascending numbers. Sure. But but back to uh, to Egypt, um, with now, the difference with Egypt on their side is that even though they were doing these similar things, again, it was more so adopted in the sense of having a ceremonial uh, initiation process, if you will, because sure. initiation um, 
schools or mystery schools have been throughout all civilizations. I mean, it goes back to uh, biblical times, uh, obviously Egyptian, uh, even in uh, Asia and just all over the world, really. Like, and um, one, one really cool thing that I actually just found out, uh, and this wasn't even through Freemasonry, this was from another uh, TikToker, uh, his name is Museum of Tarot. Uh, I suggest anyone, if you're interested in any of the things that we've mentioned, this is the guy you want to follow. Um, but uh, basically, he proved uh, with, well, I'll say he gave very compelling evidence, and I'm definitely going to dig into this further. But basically, Babylon um, has always been said to be in Iraq, uh, modern day Iraq, and the Tower of Babel, the foundation of it, and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> well, come to find out that's not actually true based on medieval medieval maps and such um it actually is uh cairo in egypt and the uh the yep the pyramids of giza is actually the tower of babel um i'll but i'll i'll leave that open-ended for uh for anybody that wants to look into that but but yeah so but now to distinguish the two is that people think that we come from these initiation groups, but that's not necessarily the case Uh, because ultimately um, even like the most renowned Freemason historians and uh, uh, archivists have no clue where we definitively come from. Everyone has their theories, but unfortunately we don't even know where we came from. And uh, yeah. So like, we don't have this like top secret knowledge of like we're the descendants of the Essenes or the descendants of the, uh, you know, builders of the tower of Babel or like, no, like people have their theories, but there's no, there's no definitive proof to say where exactly we came from. Which I mean, which in a, in a way doesn't surprise me because I I'm, I'm somebody that truly believes you know, I, as, as you made mention earlier, I guess you could call me a conspiracy realist. I, I kind of like that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, you know, I, I believe that our history that we're taught in like school and stuff like that, and and in a lot of different aspects, is is, is not only a little tainted but very misleading in the fact that like you know they leave out maybe certain aspects or you know add two stories or embellish and stuff like that. I mean, the the, the American government has a really good job of turning especially the media i should say turning people that aren't really that bad you know and demonizing them and turning them into things that they aren't which is definitely something i've seen like with freemasonry you know and one of the one of the things i always see that i guess people are always trying to immediately relate to it is the symbolism in the all-seeing eye and so i have to ask is there any way you could tell me what that means to you Absolutely. Um, and again, there's no definitive doctrine yeah. in Freemasonry. There's, you know, simple, you know, ideas that is basically presented to you. And then you're basically encouraged to interpret it exactly how you feel. That's uh, so I could give you the pamphlet answer, but I prefer to, you know, give the deeper explanation. Sure. Um, and it's really not that deep. Um, what it's referred to as, so it, it can be called the all seeing eye, but what it's referred to as in Freemasonry is the eye of providence and providence definitively means the protective care of God. 
So it would be considered the all-seeing eye of God, but somehow this narrative has, has just gotten some, someone somewhere at one point said that that's the all-seeing eye of Satan. And I'm like, hmm, I don't recall anywhere that Satan is some somehow all-seeing, all-knowing as some sort of like equivalent to God, because I'm pretty sure that there's a huge distinguishment between the adversary and sure. God. Sure. I, I actually, so, um, in, in, in the esoteric world and a lot of my research, I've actually found that the, the all seeing eye is actually more of a protection type spell in a lot of different cultures and worlds and stuff like that. And it's been misconstrued, just as you said, to be kind of this thing of Satan. And we, I mean, we happen to use the all-seeing eye in our symbolism for unconstitutional awakening. It's a guy in a suit with the all-seeing eye as a head. And, and I, you know, I placed it there in that theory of it being more of a protection thing, because it's, it's, I don't see it as something that's evil, even, even if it is an all-seeing eye of some, you know, omnipotent being or whatever out there. I think it would be more of a God watching us and not, you know, not, not the evil deity, Satan or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I have my, I, I think, I, I don't think that there's like a, a Satan down in hell burning people. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, 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 I'm much more into the esoteric. Like I consider myself to be more of a, uh, a Gnostic, uh, Christian okay. or a uh, more of a Christian mystic than your typical like Sunday school every day. Like I, I, I do study the Bible, but I study the history of the Bible. I study translations of the Bible. I yes. study esoterics of, of every, but I also do this with as many religions as I possibly can because uh, yeah, like you, you start to go down that timeline and then like, it's basically like one there, there's this guy, Dan McClellan that I follow. He's a, a scholar on TikTok as well. Uh, he has been kind enough to, he's a PhD and like he graduated, I believe I want to say from Oxford. So like he's a legitimate resource, right? And he's providing so much free information and I've learned so much from him, but it helps to like put things together in context and everything yeah. else and then it makes you start to think like well his saying is uh uh data is greater than dogma and hey. i i like i i love that because like it's it's fact over you know i don't want to say fiction because everyone has their own truth of course so i want to be yeah. as respectful as possible but uh you know dogmatic uh approaches never tend to hold any weight because then it just becomes an opinion versus an opinion. Yes. And that's not a real, you know, viable source of trying to prove a point, uh, in my opinion. But I, I like to say, uh, being that I'm a bit more spiritual, I, I, I like Gnosis is greater than dogma because I do think that, um, one of the things that led me to more of a Christian mystic, whatever was the lack of spirituality within the church setting within Christianity and so on and so forth. So I don't even really consider myself to be a Christian either. Um, I just, I just know what, I just believe what I believe. <laughs> hey, and, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like I, I, I come across definitely 
many different people in many different walks of life that believe in many different you know gods goddesses multiple gods etc and like you know i don't i don't knock you for that i believe your perspective is your perspective i think i think organized religion is a very dangerous thing like the absolutely know, it, it and has been used in a sense to misconstrue the words of these sacred texts and such and turn it into more of a control based over fear because you know if you're yeah if you're not a good person you're gonna go to a fiery death and it's just like what <laughs> if, if you're not a good person like you you think scaring them with a fiery death is really gonna you know do the job like there's all you're i think all you're really doing there is is putting good people in fear when you do things like that and which is which is a lot again like i said like I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of why I wanted you to come on here this evening, because I have people all the time that, again, you just say the words Freemasonry and they get beside themselves. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And like, I, I come from a family that were, that were Masons. My, my father actually broke the chain in his family. Um, he, my grandfather and all like 12 of his brothers, cause he had a very large family they were all Masons. And, you know, there was a whole thing. I remember when my grandfather died, you know, these guys come out of the woodwork for one of their own, you know, and, and I thought it was a beautiful thing. And, and I, you know, I, I went down kind of the conspiracy rabbit hole like you did. And so when I first started learning about them and stuff, I was just like, Oh, what kind of crazy stuff was my family up to? And, you know, later down the road, I was just like, "Mm, I don't think they were up to anything. I think they were just hanging out. Like, made me kind of yeah. I, I would always imagine like the uh the flintstones and their little their little moose lodge that they went to like yeah. it was just dudes hanging out just having a good time you know maybe talking about some something important in their neighborhood or their community or something that they're trying to do but not well not and that's the thing is take, pe- take. people uh you know that are uh you know cons- like the uninitiated um the the critics the, the outside looking in you know, they think that the meetings is where the top secret, like where that's where every that's where it all goes down. That's that's the apotheosis of like the plot of the world, right? So it's not even that. Like again, people are like, "Oh, you do all this charity work, blah blah blah," but it's like that's what we're doing when we're having meetings. Our meetings are actually for the organizing of our philanthropic side because those things take planning and we have to we only get one maybe two days out of the month to go and meet with everyone and to but then there is time for us to share and we do have prayer requests and we have all these things that are being discussed and like it's more it's like some some freemasons will tell you that the meetings are boring i don't like to say that because I don't think that they're boring. Um, I think that if it's boring to you, then as a Freemason, you should be uh, the one to step up and make it not boring because like my lodge, we have educations, we have, uh, you know, lectures, we have guest visitors that come in and give lectures. And uh, we obviously we plan the community service that we do within our own uh, vicinity and so on and so forth we it takes a lot of planning it takes a lot of organizing but we also like to cut up and have fun and have fellowship before after and then we also have wellness checks and stuff to see how everyone's family members and stuff is doing that's really all it comes down to and and that 
all sounds like fantastic things and and almost in a sense sounds kind of like church without a preacher jamming god down your throat and uh, you know as, as someone who doesn't like your religion myself like that that sounds like that everything here has been sounding like a real good time. Like it doesn't sound like something scary. And that's, and that, you know, that's, that, I think that's a lot of the point is that I've seen that it isn't like I've, I've had the pleasure of joining. There's a, there's a Mason lodge up the road from here. And just about every other month, they do either like a barbecue or a yard sale out there in front of their thing or whatever, trying to help them gain some funds and stuff like that to, to do other things and help the community. And I've stopped by the barbecue several times and got a delicious plate of food and, you know, was able to hold conversation with people and stuff like that. I've, I, I always do decline the invite. It's just never, it's never really been my thing. And I, I've got a lot going on myself with my, in my own world. And that's just kind of why, but like the, the intriguing questions of course have always been there. And, and I don't, I don't think that it's something that people should be scared of. I just, I think that is a, is one of the most ridiculous things that there is. And I think the big reason of it is of course, though, is because there does seem to be, you know, a lot of secrecy. There is things that, you know, you even made mention that you, you won't speak on and that, and that I totally respect. I mean, there's things in my own personal life that I don't feel is necessary to speak on. And I think that, I think that it's ridiculous that people want you to be a completely open book and be like, Oh, well, you got to tell me everything about it or else you're hiding something. Well, no, no, that's, you're allowed to have personal, you know, secrecy of some kind. And, and yeah, I think it's yeah, that should be I, respected. Yeah. I, I, I love that you brought that up like completely. Cause that's literally the example that I try to explain to people. I'm like, there's privacy in everyone's life. Everyone has some form of privacy. You're not just going to, you know, make a TikTok or a, a YouTube video of your bank account information. You're not just going to give that stuff out. You know, that's, you're not going to give out your pin number because ultimately what the secrets of masonry comes down to is the modes of recognition and the ritual work. And even the word ritual has been blown way out of proportion. It's like you have a ritual every morning. You have a routine of getting ready. That's There's a ritual. ritual inside of church settings and everything. Like it's not, it's, it's just, it's the people words you guys just chose tend to, to blow use. things out of proportion. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the words you guys chose to use. It's like when you, a lot of people hear the word occult and they automatically think that it's something scary and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm trying to tell you, I'm like, no, occult just really kind of means hidden. And, and at the end of the day, a lot of these occult things that you hear about have been, have been things that are in practice and are still in practice and have been in practice for longer than daggum near human doc, you know, human documentation of us being around. Like there's, yeah, there's connect. And I, I believe in occult type stuff is just us connecting closer back to earth. You know, I mean, we're all, we're all beings of this planet. And a lot of these, this occult type stuff is just, it, when you really break it down, it's simply returning to nature and returning to things that were, you know, put here to begin with to help you in different senses or different ways or, and, and, and all that kind of stuff was just lost through, you know, whether well, uh, technology two, or... two, two points that I want to uh, touch base on yeah. with that point is that, so even, so with the occult, by definition, it does mean hidden, but people think that it's hidden knowledge. It's actually would be more suitable to uh, explain it for to simplify it to other people is it's the study of 
hidden knowledge right. that's being hidden from someone else. Uh, so it's not that like it's necessarily being hidden within the occult. It's stuff that's being hidden from antiquity, from like the church leaders and the religious leaders of the world that has been keeping it from civilization. And then these are the people that find this intriguing. And then they decide that they're going to go outside of doctrine and so on. So uh, Eliphas Levi, the guy that created the depiction of the Baphomet, you know, people think the Baphomet automatically equals Satan. They don't realize that he was a Catholic bishop. <clears throat> it, he knows things. And then he starts to, it's, it's like going into uh, uh, what's, uh, seminary school. They teach you about all the technically occult stuff, but not in the popular, uh, like poetic version or the the uh, uh, romantic version of occult. Uh, the stereotype it's it's the hidden knowledge that they deliberately don't go into in their sermons inside of a Sunday service, and so that there's still occultism. Even within your normal church setting, it's just being hidden from the congregation. I mean, I, 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 there's no there's no disagreement for me there because I believe you know that spot on. Like I think that's the most <laughs> way I've ever really heard it explained. And, and you know, I run I run across that a lot because you know I've 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 studied occult I guess type stuff, especially when you get into studying other religions. You made mention of that earlier. I, I think I don't I don't know as somebody that goes down a long conspiracy type hole and ends up like you and myself, you know, it, that's one of those things that you do do. I, you know, I, I've, I've studied many different Bibles of many different religions because I was curious and I love how you said that you believe that people should be able to do whatever they want, as long as they're not bringing harm to anyone, because that is something that I agree with a hundred percent. If you, you know, want to do drugs, if you want to do, porn if you want to you know do this that and the other if you're not bringing harm to anybody and you're just doing it for yourself or to yourself or whatever like that bro that, that's on you man go right ahead the minute you step More out power to bring, you. the minute you step out and you know you're you're being malice towards someone else or bringing harm to them or their personal belongings or family or something like that you know that that that's the moment even i'm ready to step up and say hey whoa you need to step back yep. down. And that's one thing I think I took from reading, you know, over 30 something Bibles is that, you know, they, that's, that's the bottom line, the golden rule, almost, if you, if you will, like, don't, mm -hmm. just don't hurt people, man. Like that's, that's a great, that's a great way to live. You know, I personally think like, that's just one of my things that I like to walk around and preach and be about like it. Sure. Somebody may piss you off. And that's where that turn the other cheek thing comes in. Like if there's no reason to yeah. bring harm, like don't, don't do it. Like if, if you're defending yourself, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother level of things. But just in general, there's no reason to be a malice person. And I don't think you need religion to not be a malice person or, you know, a God to not be a malice person. Like I, I, I believe that, that's, that's the thing people kind of seem to forget is that, you know, if, if you do believe in a Supreme being, if you do believe in something above yourself, like ultimately that higher being is a part of you yeah. and it is ingrained inside of you and people tend to just kind of forget that and their morals tend to you know go in the opposite direction um it's it's something that we have 
is a conscience and we can understand, we can differentiate right from wrong without it being forced down our throat. And, but the difference between someone who may be atheist or someone who is religious or spiritual is that both ultimately believe in this natural form of consciousness. So what's even when someone who doesn't believe, why interfere with their life? They're not doing any harm just for simply not believing. The only reason that they exist is because they're criticizing your actions. They're not, I mean, they, they lack a belief thereof, but they're mostly, if you really break it down, they're criticizing the morals of the religious establishment, which I think is a virtue in its own because that's kind of godlike. If you ask me, you're criticizing something that is causing harm to other people by whether it's simply as hurting their feelings or literally starting a witch burning or a witch hunt, like a literal witch hunt. It, it, you know, so atheists criticizing, I, I blow atheist minds with that statement all the time too. They're like, are you telling me I'm kind of godly? Like, but I'm that that just blew my mind. What what did you just say? Yep, yep. <laughs> and it's it ends up being a great conversation. I get along more with people who are humbled in their faith and their belief rather than the ones that are try to put themselves above others. That's one thing I will never ever tolerate. I have a huge pet peeve with anyone who puts themselves above any other human being. And it's as simple as that. And that that is something that is encouraged and taught and a moral lesson all throughout Freemasonry. But that's the cool thing about Freemasonry is that you don't come into Freemasonry and then turned into something else. Something about it attracted you. And then you come to find out that you've been a Mason your whole life. <laughs> it's like your, your moral value and everything else just kind of just you just happen to land right where you needed to be. Which, which, which is fascinating because in, 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 in a sense, without calling it a religion, like it's almost in a sense that it has a lot of these same, I guess, aspects as like a religion or, you know, somebody that goes to church on Sundays or whatever has. And, and so, you know, with that, you guys are, are building these like moral building blocks for people and, you know, other people in your fraternity without actually labeling it as a religion per se, you know, like you guys just, yep. and maybe on the inside, some people view it as one or something. I'm not sure, but like, you know, that's, well, you want some, uh, you want some conspiracy, uh, uh, sauce sure. on that one. Yeah. So <clears throat> if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm under the impression that, you know, for example, like Satanism, when Satanism was trying to establish itself as a religion, they had to go through the Roman Catholic Church because anyone that tries to start a religion has to basically go through the big man over in Rome. <clears throat> and uh, so Satanism was originally going to be called humanism, um, but they said no. Uh, the RCC said no. That's our thing. You can't call it humanism. So Anton LaVey was like, okay. And then, you know, threw up a middle finger and was like, well, I'm going to name it after your adversary. And they approved it, which is kind of weird. The, they can't be called humanism, but they approved Satanism. I don't know. Come but on. so when you're, it's not that Freemasonry had the goals of starting a religion. That was never the case. Yeah. But if you start something and establish it as a fraternal organization, that's something that the RCC could not put their hands on. They couldn't 
put their thumbs down on it and they couldn't control it. And this was started back in a time where the Roman empire known as the church was basically on the verge of downfall. And, but they still had authority, uh, you know, just, uh, 1717, then you've got the 17th century where, uh, you know, you've got that whole period of like them versus King James and yada, yada. But then you go back into the 15th century or the 16th century and you got William Tyndale, you got all this stuff where they they had control and they were the authority they were the police officers. They were the, the judge, they were the, the attorney, they were everything. Sure. <clears throat> well, when you start a fraternal organization, they can't put their thumbs down on it. And you have a bunch of free thinkers who are wanting to group up and gather together. Uh, and they, they were interlaced too. Like you mentioned at the beginning, I'm very, very, not many people even know about that, about the stone guilds and stuff like that. <laughs> they, they were building the cathedrals and they were. having fellowship in the little, you know, like build like construction site buildings. They have the little, where they go and have lunch and stuff like mm-hmm. in modern times, they had similar settings when they were building these cathedrals, but then they would go into those things for lunch or breaks or whatever and they would have fellowship and this was before the establishment of or the organizing of freemasonry so it's it's kind of been a weird like rcc hating freemasonry since the inception of speculative masonry and then becoming freemasonry in a global fraternal or charitable organization (laughs) they've always hated us basically well no and and and, you know i you, you made something that actually kind of, you know, that made me laugh there thinking that, you know, he, he did call it humanism and they, because that, I, I have actually researched into that. I know where they were talking about, you know, going back to that, how he did want to originally call it humanism and got kicked back, came back with the Satanism thing. And, and it, between that and the fact that the same group hates the free, you know, the Masons so much, it, it's, a, it's another one of those aspects where I've, I, I've, I've dabbled in agnostics a little bit and I do think there's some truth to the, the God that a lot of people are, you know, currently think that they're worshiping, I guess you would say is, is, is actually more of the Satan of the Bible that they think that they're reading, which, uh, you know, that gets into a lot of wild, crazy things in its own, but it, it, it makes me think that there's some truth to it. And it's not that I'm sitting here trying to bash Christians. There's, there's plenty of Christian people that I know and Catholic people that I know and stuff like that, that I, that I absolutely love. And so, you know, I'm not, not. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But in, in a whole, like I have seen, I've seen such ugliness out of the, the American Christian church, even the Roman, you know, Catholic church and stuff. I have just seen such horrendous things that are provable facts and you know that that i think are very irreputable irreputable across the board you know just just wrong and and yet yet you still have people every sunday morning that get gandered up to go down there and let's let's praise jesus and i just i'm just the hypocrisy i think is is ridiculous and you know talking talking to you this evening you know i think a lot of people are going to come into this episode and they're going to they're expecting it to be like crazy, super spicy, wild. I'm talking to a Mason. Are we going to get secrets of the universe? And they're finding out that <laughs> you're just a regular dude like myself. And, 
and, and I, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of Freemasons throughout history that were also con- conspiracy theorists. They, I mean, right? I would argue that that's why it started was because they were claiming conspiracy against other much larger, more powerful organizations, like and people and tried it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like again, and it's funny because it's not even just the RCC that's the biggest critics. They, they've had a papal bans officially since 1738, uh, and that's on record. Uh, but then in modern times, you have these like hyper evangelist, uh, you know, Southern Baptist KJV only type pastors that are very politically driven, not separating church and state. And they're pushing this narrative of Freemasons are the bad guys because Donald Trump and JFK Jr. is going to, they're secretly running the, the, the country. Oh my and God. it's like, oh my goodness, like, no, you guys are ruining everything that's fun about conspiracy. Right. No, dude, listen, when the, when the Q guys showed up on the scene, they, I, I, started, I started listening to what some of them were saying. And I was like, wait a minute, that's a different conspiracy. And you're mashing it into this. And then they'd talk about something else. I'd be like, no, you're doing it again. I was like, you're taking Ted Gunderson's conspiracies and mashing Ted Gunderson's conspiracies in with Q. And I was just like, you guys, you guys are doing something wrong here. Like you're a conspiracy theorist for the conspiracy theorist. And I don't like that. And yeah, and I, I have a theory that they are uh, like a, like sort of not definitively a group of discordians. Cause I want to separate the discord because discordianism is hilarious, right? Like, uh, like I'm sure you're familiar with discordianism. Yes. Uh, it's it's the it's the epitome of trolling. Like it was the, the I, I I would say they are the original trolls and you know chaos magic and all that jazz. They they understand how to you know mess with people. Right. So, but I I think that it was a form of discordianism, um, whether they knew it or not. Uh, but then ultimately, kind of leads into this whole like black sun occultism uh thing with neo-nazism i mean and (laughs) it's like and i'm not gonna lie the only reason that i was able to pick up on that was because of uh you know selective handful of other content creators on here uh or on tiktok and um ultimately because i kind of fell into that q rabbit hole for you know i'd say at least a solid year only because like i'm not a political person, but I am into conspiracy. And when things are like somewhat compelling, you tend to kind of like gravitate towards it. But then ultimately I started to realize that like, this is all like, it took me back to whenever I was like 17 and researching like reptilian humanoids secretly shape-shifting and running the government. Uh, that's when I kind of drew the line. I was like, okay, I know too much about this stuff. I, I'm kind of driving myself crazy. I'm going to move on with my life because even if I don't believe it to be true anymore, if it were true, what the heck am I going to do about it? <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm um, a, a big one that I am, uh, I guess a fan of that. I like going back to, because believe me, I've been down the, like the reptile rabbit hole and stuff like that. Um, is the uh, actor-based reality. That, that's one I actually kind of enjoy. And there's actually a lot of weird truth to as far as, you know, like different people playing different roles, whether it be political or Hollywood even. And, and Oh, yeah. And, and, and like, I really like that because there is a lot of weird 
some weird unexplainable similarities across the board in different aspects of it. And, and I think, I think in a sense, something like that totally branched off and eventually through the grapevine became, you know, reptile shapeshifters because you got people that are just wearing different bodysuits or different masks and pretending to be different people. Because at the end of the day, everything on that, you know, boob tube and everything that's politics and stuff like that is literally just WWE for people who think they're smart. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't deny that there is some political aspects that we should pay attention to. And there is some things like the, like the world economic forum, my cohort Morpheus over here on unconstitutional awakening is big on to jumping, you know, on them and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's things I believe we should acknowledge. They're definitely happening, but it's more the reason to, batten down your own hatches, build yourself a small grand community like you guys here in Freemasonry and, and brace for the worst, because I guess in a sense, you look at Freemasonry as a great, I can look at it as a great example of something that started in it, it may, possibly in the UK area, you know, during these castle builds and stuff like that. And these people were persecuted and they left, they left and, you know, split off and went and formed their own in other places. And, and I, I, I feel that that is an important aspect and a very big similarity into a lot of people into like the revolutionary type aspect of life and such, you know, like these, these are people that were smart enough to see the problem and build an infrastructure of their own, a new away while Rome fell. And, and well, and I, I, this is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. So I like I have to I have to segue into this. So yes. given everything that we've spoken about thus far, you know, QAnon and then now this being the separation and going off and forming their own thing. QAnon loves to call themselves patriots. And I'm like, you are anything but opposite <laughs> complete opposite you think that you're patriot because you, you all, all all that you really are is just a christian extremist and a christian nationalist and that's that's fine just don't harm people again yeah. <laughs> but the irony of QAnon movement pushing this narrative as far as freemasons and like being part of this cabal and everything else. I'm not saying there's not a cabal. I don't know for a fact. I don't, we don't talk about that stuff in Freemasonry. Like, I believe that there is some sort of unnamed group out there doing some shady stuff. Sure. But the difference is where we will always disagree is Freemasonry having anything to do with it because during this split that you were talking about was all in 17, well, post 1776 and the colonization of America. Now that can also get into you know some other side conversations but ultimately you have your george washington you have your ben franklin even paul revere himself was a freemason the boston tea party was planned in a masonic lodge uh what else so like the warning of the british coming paul revere being a freemason george washington literally like being the founding father the first president all of this stuff all of the core fundamentals of what America was intended to be, freedom, liberty, so on, so freedom of religion, separation of church and state. These are Masonic ideologies because it was organized by a bunch of Freemasons who took this idea, 
organized it into a Grand Lodge in England in 1717, and then realized that they didn't want to be ruled under a RCC or a crown. So they flee and they form a, they take, they take this idea that created a Grand Lodge and then created, sprouted out and created your local Blue Lodges. And they took the same ideology and was like, let's expand bigger. Let's start a country. Sure. And then here we are. We are the, like Freemasonry created true patriotism in this country. And it wasn't just defending the, they were working up the constitution. See, that's where the term constitutions comes from. It's laying down the law and it's, it remains and so on and so forth. But that's what was happening is that they were trying to create the new world. So this whole new world order and so on and so forth, they think that this is some modern plan or something. No, it was the plan to create this new country in America in 1776. Sure. And we were successful at it. Now there is, you know, from the Bush family mentioning this, this whole psyop of a new world order or whatever, uh, that's completely separate, but this original New World Order, the, the stuff you see on the back of the dollar bill, sure. all of that alludes to 1776. Sure. And it's not that it was all Freemasons, but it absolutely stems the like the separation of church and state was separating the authority from the Roman church. So to where it can't get involved with politics and or anything else into where states are sovereign yeah i was just about to actually say something about that is that you know um i guess in a sense if you wanted to break it down for people that don't understand out there there's there was a split and you went from half where you ended up with both like continental and anglo-american freemasonry like i mean it, it, it there's there's different branches of it of course a whole lot now but this is going way back to where you were talking about when they were when they were splitting from the big main one what what was that it was out in the uk i want to be right it was in great like in the what is now yeah yeah it was in uh london yeah uh in uh the united united grand lodge there it is in in england out there in like the london area and stuff and you know they had all this break off and you know it seems it seems as if the break off was their you know they're for the better because you know again you, you i see a lot of this stuff being tied into like different religion and different beliefs and different different namesakes like you were kind of saying see like there's some groups that i've noticed they don't talk politics they you know it's like kind of just a banned thing and then there's some groups that they you know they don't they do talk politics or some that do talk religion and some that don't talk religion. and it's like, it, it, it it's encouraged not to bring up those things because they are divisive yes but it's it's okay to bring up those things as long as it doesn't cause disharmony right because that's the ultimate goal is that we're wanting people to come together to realize that it doesn't matter what you believe we can still work together and we can still create unity in a like we can have inclusiveness within a divisive world and that's ultimately the whole goal is because every other establishment before the Western civilization, <clears throat> there was no harmony. There was, there was, there was pure chaos Well, and it, f- it needed I mean, order. I've just, come, I've just come to a little bit of a realization here in the way that you kind of just explained that and almost in a way, holy crap, unconstitutional awakening is in a sense its own form of Freemasonry because that's everything <laughs> that we want here too, almost too 
to the letter, brother. Like I'm <laughs> like we we I I believe that now, now now freedom of religion starts to make sense. Freedom right. of speech, freedom of thought. It's constitutionally written for us to have these rights, and they're not going anywhere. They are solidified. They are the cornerstone, cornerstone, pl- nice play on words of this country. Uh-huh. It's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of the American dream to where we can sit down and have this conversation, and we're not going to have to worry about someone coming and hunting us down for it. Or you can form your own version of it, and it's totally fine. We live. This is the freedom that is what is actually a God-given right. And that was the morals of the, the Freemasons and the, the people that were helping the Freemasons yeah. at this point in time. People were working with the Freemasons. Sure. They thought highly of the Freemasons at this time. And, and uh, so it's no wonder. Yeah, it's no wonder why these larger, monstrous corporations or or organizations tend to attack freemasonry it all starts to kind of make sense it does. there's the, they think that freemasons are infiltrating uh the gut at one point we were 92 percent freemasons in congress now we're down to zero literally zero percent at least based on the evidence that's presented there's none <laughs> there's none in government that i've seen that i can and we have ways of being able to recognize each other that's one of the secrets right Right. So based on the evidence presented, I can say, well, he's not a that so and so is not a president or like the pre- that president's not a Freemason based on that evidence. Sure. Because that's not Masonic. I can say what's not a secret. I can say what's not a part of Freemasonry. But if it happens to be something that is a secret, then I'll say I can't elaborate on that. I, I, I guess I, I guess with that, I occasionally i've seen i've seen a couple of these good videos of yours on tiktok where you're you know kind of debunking people that are out here claiming masonry and such and 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 so i like you just said i guess there's things you can tell us that would be not so is there anything you could share with me that if you've seen with somebody claiming that would be a call that would be 100 percent not a mason um yeah so the whole like hidden hand thing <laughs> yeah that's not a masonic hand sign it's like it's 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 a universal thing that actually stems back to napoleon it was napoleon's thing and what it essentially it all it's also kind of biblical uh as well um talking about uh abraham's bosom when he puts his hand uh into his uh breast pulls it out and he has the hand of a leper and then he like puts it back in and it's back to normal uh so that's like kind of the biblical sense but then the napoleon version of it which napoleon wasn't a freemason um he was a devout roman catholic uh ironically uh but he did it in the sense of basically like uh a a firm but calm like show of authority basically uh so it was is more of a uh uh you know that that type of sense if you will Uh, but yeah, and, and then this whole thing, like, like covering the eye, ironically, all that stuff kind of relates more so back to, uh, Aleister Crowley, uh, and his order that, well, it wasn't necessarily his, but he basically revised it and made it his, um, I call it diet Freemasonry, uh, but it's the OTO, uh, or the Ordo Temple Orientis. Um, and that's where you get 
all of the like because he was a clandestine mason he was a two-time clandestine mason he got oh. a yeah he got a fake 33rd degree conferred to him in mexico uh before he ever did any type of masonic degree whatsoever and then as i mentioned before france at one point was considered clandestine the grand lodge had pulled their charter and uh he joined a clandestine lodge in france at a time when they were still considered unrecognized um but then he got frustrated with ugle because they wouldn't recognize him he was like very boastful and pious about his status he uh, and just very arrogant and they just completely ignored him and so he got frustrated fast forward he went and joined the golden dawn he caused a schism in the golden dawn and then they were just like, we don't want anything to do with you. Just get out of here. Uh, Golden Dawn was started by Freemasons, by the way. It was by two uh, people that were Freemasons. Uh, but they were more on the esoteric or mystical side. Because same thing with Crowley. Same thing with uh, uh, the, the guy that started, uh, Rouse, that started OTO, that invited Crowley to come help organize it and revise it. And then same thing with Golden Dawn. They become Freemasons because they think that it's more occultic. They think that it's more mystical and you're going to learn all these crazy, like spiritual enlightenment, initiation, cult, whatever. They, they think that it's like that. And then they join and then they find out that it's all about philanthropy and all the things that we've discussed. So they go and start their own order. And, and then and that's so basically, yeah. And then that even ties... I got a four-part series that dives real deep into explaining how that's where the modern Illuminati comes from, too. From, from like the the like the clandestine side of things or whatever. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Like they. So Crowley basically took a bunch of symbol, and it ties even into Hollywood. The people underestimate how influential Crowley actually was. Sure. He was all over the place. He even German mustache man. He was trying. Crowley was trying to get in touch with him. They were basically battling for occult, uh, occult hierarchy or whatever within Germany because basically uh, Mustache Man found out about Thelema, his, uh, Crowley's religion that he started, and the book that he wrote around that and was completely disgusted by it to the point that he banned it from the entire country. And he didn't, he didn't even like Crowley. Like they, they have beef. Like Crowley had beef with the world and still does. And and then he took, and then he had a whole lot of influence in Hollywood. He had a whole lot of influence in all aspects of the world. And people really do underestimate exactly how much influence that he had. But again, it's not that he did anything and it's not that, most of these people are actually doing anything. Yeah. It's just that people are getting confused because they think that Crowley was a Freemason. Sure. And, 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 you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that we actually, you know, kind of got into him a little bit this evening because it is something that I've heard a million times is people are always like, Oh, Crowley was a Freemason. And I'm like, Crowley was a bad dude and into a bunch of crazy shit. And I don't think he, you know, if you, when you really research it, like you pointed out, he, he wasn't really a Mason. He was under that moniker because he 
used a bunch of their symbolism and may have been a part of it at one point in time and stuff like that. But he, he obviously had his own, his own agenda underneath everything else going on. And thus why he did what he did. I mean, he, he was making friends and enemies worldwide, not only with like yeah. the likes of mustache man, but like, you know, you've got other world leaders and other parts of Hollywood, even like you mentioned where he did have his hands tied into things. And, and, and I even can, I'll, you know, I'll even give a little bit of credit to the man. There might even be some things that he did either a out of just being a complete moron in some aspects or B maybe he didn't actually have a male malice intention in something that he was doing. He thought he was doing something for the greater good, but you know, at the end of the day, your, 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 your Jim Joneses are always up to no good. You know, they've got their own agenda at the end of the day. And I really believe Aleister Crowley had his own agenda and people like the, like the church, like you've been saying today and stuff, seen that symbolism and seen that he was claiming masonry and boy, was it their golden ticket to run with it and just kind of, you know, just walk you guys through the mud. Like it was nothing. And, and, and just that's the same, same exact scenario with the Morgan affair. Oh wow, yeah. That and that's something I definitely tell people to like if they can find what they can on that. That's something to definitely dig into as well because it seems that every chance that the the Catholic Church, who to me seems to be you know like the Vatican seems to be the hierarchy of the of the planet for some reason. You know what I'm saying? Like it seems like oh yeah, the Pope gets final say in everything, and that that's a whole story for a whole other time that we could get into one day. But like it seems that any chance he finds to any of them that have been in power at the time to drag the Masons through the woodwork, they do it and they do not hesitate to do it. And, and it's funny to me that a lot of people in the conspiracy world think that the Masons are the bad guys just because, just because the conspiracy world or, you know, other folks have painted them as the bad guys when you should really, I like to look at history, the ones that they paint as bad, are probably the ones you need to pay attention to because Lord knows I'm on probably every United States NSA list that exists. Well, that that's, that's, the, I, I love that you bring that point up because if you really look into each and every single one of them, they all have, or not all of them, most of them, at least the most prominent names that are the most common to come up in a conspiratorial conversation, uh, the common denominator is that they are all extremely anti-Catholic. Crowley grew up in a very religious Catholic home and had a huge disdain for it. So he started to go down the path of occultism. <clears throat> then you've got uh, Albert Pike. Albert Pike was not massively anti-Catholic. He was respectful to all walks of life, but he did have a disdain for He was more so anti-Vatican. Uh, and, uh, I don't, I don't think that Manly P. Hall was necessarily anti-Catholic or I'm sure he probably didn't care too much for the Vatican, but he was just more so into esoterics and the mysteries of everything. So he just kind of knew and ultimately just did not, I, I, he's never really, as far, and I read all about all of these guys a lot and, uh, but I've never seen him really kind of like dog uh, Catholicism, at least. Uh, but um, but then the Morgan affair, 
you have a, another common denominator. And then all the satanic stuff stems to the Leo Taxel hoax, uh, which I'll get into that, into that in just a second. But um, the Morgan affair was basically it, to this day, it's still a mystery. Uh, but even if it was, let's just hypothetically say it was determined that it was a, a small group of Freemasons that decided to do it. There's individual accountability. They didn't do it in the name of Freemasonry. They just acted a little too vigilant if that were the case. I don't believe that it was the case. I think that what happened is that Morgan, uh, William Morgan was a extremist and he was fixated and was working towards getting, he tried to finesse the Freemason. He never experienced a single degree. Sure. He was given an honorary, uh, arch Mason degree, uh, Royal Archmason degree, which he never got to sit in for like an actual ritual or nothing, but sure. he was going to leak all the secrets that he had no clue about, but he was trying to get, nobody liked him. He kept trying to join a lodge, but he made it obvious that he was just going around asking for money to fund his book to expose Freemasonry. Sure. Well, uh, basically long story short, he ended up going to jail. Freemasons bailed him out. They were trying to take him to like, you know, whatever house, like some sort of safe house scenario or something like that, uh, from my understanding. And then um, I think that he panicked and ran off, disappeared and then showed up dead. Uh, I think that it was almost self-sacrificial, I'll say, in order to basically smear Freemasons. Uh, it was a self-fulfilling scenario uh, in order to pin it as if the Freemasons did this to him. But if that was the case, why would we bail, waste money bailing him out on jail or bailing him out of jail? I don't know. Just the story just is a huge mystery and there's no definitive anything, but this was enough to form the oldest and the first third party system in America, which is also known as the anti-Mason party. And that's because the politicians who were, had special interests with the Vatican were also looking for their excuse and their reason to create. They, they were paranoid thinking that Freemasons were trying to overthrow them, even though we fled to the West and just completely was like, we don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> they were just paranoid and they decided to uh, uh, start a whole smear campaign that lasted for, you know, decades. Um, and then after that was kind of done and over with, that's when you get the Leo Taxel hoax. Leo Taxel, uh, in a sense, was a form of a early 20th century, late 19th century troll. He basically started the rumor of Albert Pike, Freemasonry, Satan, Satan worship, and all of that. stuff. So he completely fabricated, and he publicly admitted this. He told the world, I made all of this up to make the Catholic Church look goofy and to also make fun of Freemasonry, more specifically Albert Pike. And but it's still because what happened when they released when Leo Taxel released his books under his penmanship, that's not his real name. I can't remember his real name, but his his uh, pen name was Leo Taxel and he created this whole character that like quoted all this stuff and a bunch of false quotes attached to Pike and so on and so forth. But the Roman Catholic church took it and ran with it. And they said, see, look, we knew that they were up to no good. And then it made a fool out of them 
while also smeared uh, Albert Pike and ultimately Freemasonry in general. And Leah Taxel was like, ha, it was a prank. I'm not sorry about it either, basically. But, well, <laughs> but in, in people still run with that narrative to this day. But it say, all goes back to the Leo Taxel. I was about to say, people will still run with that negative narrative, which which seems to be a, a common a common denominator. And of course, that's, that's kind of why I wanted to invite you on this evening. You know, I, I, I seen you on there trolling the trolls, you know, getting them back for out there just giving, you know, the, the Freemasons a, a hard time and trying to give them a bad name. And, and I... I I like that. You know, I like having another perspective and I like seeing that other perspective fight, fight back because at the end of the day, you're definitely outnumbered. I, I can, I, I can promise you that just from being in the conspiracy world myself for as long as I have and watching, you know, the, the Masons are automatically number one, number one next. And it's because you start tying all these evil people back to them. And I just, as the point you made tonight, you know, the, these people might not have even actually been Masons. They just might have had that moniker because, hey, it was the popular thing to run with, or hey, they thought they were a part of it, and then you know they just turned out to be kind of shitty people. And I believe there's just kind of shitty people in every walk of life, no matter what aspect you're running around. And even even the conspiracy world, there's definitely some just kind of shitty people out there. And and I I, I think people shouldn't just discredit something because of a few shitty people. You should actually take the time to sit down and have these conversations. That's the point of unconstitutional awakening is I wanted an area to have these open discourses that aren't just people on Facebook going back and forth and comments or on TikTok, just people going back and forth. You know, I, I, I really like TikTok. It's kind of I started mine as a joke. I didn't think it was going to blow up the way that it did. And in a sense, I'm very that, that's exactly what happened with me, too. Yeah. I was like. No one's going to believe me. No one's going to like, well, I don't even know. I don't, I've never made con. I was making like pop punk videos. Like and I was, making I was just memes. making, <laughs> yeah, I was just making goofy videos to pop punk music yeah. and stuff. And, and I, but, but like I, I was following you, I was following all the like early TikTok conspiracy uh, channels. And so, but I never saw anything like that from you, but obviously the algorithm FYP, you start to see more conspiracy videos and more conspiracy content creators. And like, I kept coming across Freemasons getting blamed for everything. And I, eventually I was like finding myself arguing in the comments. And I was like, you know what? Like no one's there. There was a, a few like Freemasons that were making somewhat of like content of like Q and a type settings or, you know, like, I, I basically that or, or or educational but no one was debunking the conspiracy theories and that's something that like i did a long time ago so i was like i'm just gonna that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna start debunking everything hell yeah that i mean you know that's 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 inspiring on its own you know and i i i, I of course will have uh his i'll have michael's tiktok and i will also have his link tree linked in this episode of course where you can find everything so that you can get back to him and check out his content because i really appreciate it and i really like it and that's why i wanted to invite him here tonight because i feel he had a he had a good perspective to give all of you out here listening and watching that you know i don't think a lot of you have because it is something even commonly in people that are regular conversations on the show and even been guests and they've i've, I've heard them try to lean towards oh freemasonry and you know in the back of my mind's always been telling me you guys are making assumptions about something you don't know and and that's where things get dangerous because 
you know, you'll, you'll take these assumptions to heart and run with them all the way because nobody wants to disprove it or nobody wants to discredit it. And here you are out here doing the Lord's work and trying to show people that it's not, it's not that at all. It's, it's more like a club. And, and I think, I think I've learned, you know, quite a bit this evening that I even, even I didn't already know. And, and I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on here. And so, like I said, guys, I'll be able to make sure that you guys can find him. You guys make sure you give our sponsors a check out, of course, at uh, Kirk, Kirk Elliott, uh, PhD.com forward slash Jim Bob. And there's also Peachy Key Creations. You can get yourself some nice soaps or oils and stuff like that. I really recommend you checking them out. Don't forget to get some UA merch over there at the store. You can just find that right on the Unconstitutional Awakening website. And we'll, uh, we thank all you guys on BitChute and Rumble for listening. I thank everybody out there in the audio apps for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time on Unconstitutional Awakening. Y'all have a great night. Uh-huh.